0: content in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose any medical condition, replace the advice of a healthcare professional, or provide any medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Copyright 2020, Fireteam Whiskey, LLC, all rights reserved. Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast, a podcast for military members, veterans, and first responders focusing on fitness, health, nutrition, and biohacking. Our mission with this podcast is to introduce America's heroes, to lifestyle habits and hacks that will help them live healthier, happier lives, and in turn, be fit enough to continue their support of their communities and country.
1: Welcome to the Warrior Wellness Podcast. I am your podcast host, former Army Captain Stephanie Lincoln, and I'm very excited about today's podcast because we are interviewing Dr. Adam Meredith. And he is the inventor of this awesome thing called Migraine Stopper. So you're gonna learn all about it on this podcast. But first, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about Dr. Adam Meredith. And he is a lecturer at the Macquarie University, two years, practiced as a chiropractor for 20 years. I love chiropractors, so I can't wait to get into that. And founded three chiropractic centers, DEXA Scan Weight Loss Center, So I don't know if you're familiar with the DEXA scan, but that's the best way to find out what your body composition is. It's the the golden measurement, so to speak. And he is the inventor of the migraine stopper. So an amazingly, amazingly smart man. So I asked Dr. Adam to be on the show because I worked in military medical as a civilian contractor for almost 10 years. And um, I have definitely personally experienced migraines. I've had migraines since I was five years old, guys. And definitely working in the military medical field for the last decade, this is a very, very common medical issue with veterans, with first responders, and with military members. And I'm sure Dr. Adam is gonna get into Why um, possibly there are some theories about why that is. But um, more interestingly, is the connection between the um, traumatic brain injuries, of course, With um, veterans and first responders, especially firefighters and TBI and uh, the connection with chronic headaches and migraines. So let's get to it. And I hope you enjoy the interview with Dr. Adam Meredith. Well, thank you so much doc for coming on the warrior wellness podcast. I was so excited to see your background and see the um, product you're offering, because this is such a big issue in the military and in first responders. And we have not covered this topic at all. And I just want to give you a little bit of background on for me, because this is also a relevant topic for myself personally. I've suffered from migraines since the age of five so i know this topic very well and we'll talk a little bit later about triggers and things like that um but more specifically i've worked in military medical for about a decade Um, mainly in the mental health field, but um, sat down and just, you know, going through medical record after medical record after medical record, seeing all the diagnoses. And this is a common diagnosis in veterans and um, especially with, you know, those with PTSD and TBI and or both. So I'd love to delve into that. So, um, but I do want to ask you how many people does this affect is this a rare condition or is this pretty um common
0: so migraines are incredibly common in fact it's one in seven so if you've got seven billion people on the planet that's about a billion people and it's predominantly a female disorder so for every four migraine cases this is in the normal population okay so not necessarily ptsd people um three will be female and one will be a male So hugely common, one in seven get it, and it's a high proportion of females. What's very interesting with PTSD is if you get um, a cohort of migraine sufferers and you look at the lifetime prevalence of PTSD, it's almost 22%, which is high, right? If you look at the lifetime prevalence of PTSD in non-migraine, non headache people, it's about 2%. Wow. So that's huge. So they are highly correlated. And as we talk more about the migraine brain, there's very good uh, physiological reasons why this would be.
1: Well, let's delve into that. You know, let's talk about the physiology. What, what causes migraines? What's, what's going on with this?
0: So migraines are complicated because they're multifocal. So it's one disease. You, okay, so you're diagnosed, you have migraines. But it's basically three broad categories. We know the migraine brain doesn't produce energy very well. But you know when you work out and lift weights and you go really really hard and get that burn? That's lactic acid or anaerobic respiration. But just simply the migraine brain goes into that quicker, than non-migraine brains, and that lactate and the products can send you off for migraines. So there's an energy production problem. The other problem is, um, just say, for example, there was a jackhammer hammering behind you right now. You'd hear the noise. It'd be aggravating. But within a few moments, your brain would decide to decrease the information received from the noise and you would habituate to it. And it would just be a background noise. We know migraine brains don't do that very well. And when you consider that the brain is taking in millions and millions of bits of information per second, a big part of the brain's job is to suppress information so you don't get overwhelmed. My brain brains don't do that very well. Um, and the third thing is, and where the, by the way, where that habituation occurs, that's in the brain, the part of the brain that people think of the brain. But at the back is the brain stem. and that's the relay center where information from your body and the environment is given to your consciousness. That's also faulty in my brainers. So you're now looking at a vulnerable brain. And the brain is vulnerable to being overwhelmed by stimuli. So you can imagine a brain that is predisposed to being overwhelmed by stimuli might not fare as well in a very dramatic situation, such as first responder or war or any life traumatic event. But that's why it makes sense that they are more likely to get PTSD. So before PTSD was fully recognized and understood the way that it needed to be, we knew that anxiety and depression was higher in brain. So these are, brain processing disorders and now of course you can add quite rightfully PTSD to that
1: yeah and and I know that there's an issue with diagnosing um, a true migraine disorder or is it a headache or you know and even from one person to the next their experience with migraines can be very different can you talk a little bit about that
0: Yeah, that's why it is so confusing. So not is it uh, multifocal parts of the brain that are not working particularly well to cause this one condition called migraine. You're 100% correct. The expression of that migraine can be anything from a bad headache to vertigo to vomiting to smell sensitivity to light. It's crazy. Um, And with PTSD in particular, one of the uh, premonitory events, the things that occur before the migraine is actually a PTSD event. So for me, it might be, oh, I I don't like the light on my eyes, half an hour later I get it. It could be, oh, wow, I feel dizzy all of a sudden, and an hour later I get it. Or it could be that I'm having a PTSD episode and now I'm gonna get a migraine. So you can see why that's confusing. Multi-parts of the brain. That's why I like to call it a disorder, not a disease. It's a disorder of processing. But that's why it's so complicated. But look, the overriding symptom is this. If a patient tells me about things that sound migraineous and then they say this, and I have to stop what I'm doing and I have to lie down in a dark room, that's probably a migraine. If they're like, oh, I get migraines and it's really hard to spend the whole day in front of the computer, you're not having
1: migraines. Yeah. (laughs) I love that you said that because that's infuriating to people who actually suffer from migraines when somebody says, oh, I have a migraine, and they're just kind of going throughout their day. I'm like, if I had a migraine, I'd be curled up into a ball on the ground, like finding the quietest coldest you know darkest room you know getting nausea you know all the stuff that comes along with it so you're like it's not a migraine
0: (laughs) look it's very frustrating medicine doesn't particularly look after it very much it used to be considered a hysterical female disorder hysterical it's just it's just insane what i tell people is this it's like saying oh i got a shiver up my spine i understand what epilepsy is like it's like no no you don't these are different (laughs) things
1: I'm gonna spit out my water just now. That's hilarious. That is a very good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also to add to that, um, I know there was a, a lot of frustration within the military medical system with the, um, you know, recognizing a TBI. And, you know, diagnosing accordingly and, and, you know, it's military veterans getting the appropriate treatment and the disability for those things. Um, because I can definitely tell you, I can say with 100% confidence, I probably did have a TBI, a mild TBI um, yep. with an incident that happened with me in the military. And there's, there, I think there's so many um, veterans out there and first responders, especially firefighters who yeah. are kind of walking around through their lives experiencing these symptoms and yeah. have no idea that it could be connected to this you know, traumatic brain injury that they don't even know that they had.
0: Look, it's crazy. So I obviously treated the general public. So I had a, a city practice, okay? So it's the general public, moms and dads, office workers. But we know for a fact that 90% of people that have concussion and concussion-related headaches don't get knocked out. everyone thinks that a TBI or a smack on the head is like in a movie. It doesn't. It can be a good knock on the head that you don't even uh, get knocked over and you continue. We know 95% of people will get headaches within about seven days of a concussion. 10% get knocked out, 90% don't. And of those 95%, about two-thirds have migraine-like symptoms or migraines themselves. So... TBI, concussions, PTSD, they're all related. And when you think, okay, why it's a vulnerable brain already, how do you know a migraine's brain is vulnerable? It's not normal to vomit for three days in a dark room. We know it's vulnerable. What kind of vulnerability is it? It's an overprocessing problem. Can a knock to the head TBI or PTSD overwhelm a brain that's already not so good at dealing with sensory input? Of course it can. It makes total sense too to anyone that knows how migraines work
1: yeah and i I definitely wanted to you know bring this up as well is you know if you're already like you said the relationship between um, people who have anxiety and depression and who also do suffer from migraines this affects your quality of life oh yes i mean i'm getting chills it you know, I can definitely say, and I'm I'm open about this, that I was at some point in my life suicidal because of the frequency and the debilitating effects of my migraine disorder. I had chronic daily headaches plus migraines on top of that. So every yeah. single day was just a, a living hell of how bad are my headaches going to be today? Am I even going to be able to function today? So- somebody who has a history of anxiety and, and depression, suffering with that pain, you know, maybe not every day, but frequently, um, that certainly can be so debilitating and really making mental health symptoms worse.
0: Yeah, I forget where the uh, World Health Organization listed, but it's something like second or third most debilitating disorder that there is. And that's back to your point when people say they get migraines or they, and they don't, and they're trying to sympathize with a migraine sufferer. You know, one is a headache and one is a severe, debilitating neurological disorder of multi-sensors of the brain. So, yeah, look, I, I really do feel for migraine sufferers and anxiety, depression, and suicide rates are higher. That is testimony to how bad it is, you know. And yeah. the funny thing is, it's like, you know, get over it. It's like, it's a sensory processing disorder. So the way that your brain is working during it and often after it uh, is not correct. So it's harder. It's not like a sore knee or a bad back, because as a chiropractor, I treat a lot of bad back pain. Well, you don't have that sensory problem with back pain. If, if the pain hurts, but basically you're the same person with a sore back. But when you have a migraine, you are not the same person. The chemistry of your brain, the neurology of your brain is way out of whack.
1: Yeah, and I can, I'm can. i sure my husband can attest to, he always knows, he, he, he approaches me and says, are you getting a headache? Because <laughs> he can well, tell um, my, my personality starts to change. You know, yes. I'm, I'm not as outgoing and social and talkative, and my energy starts kind of to decline and kind of shying away from noise yes. and, and sensory experiences.
0: Yes, because they are now overwhelming you. Did you happen to get um, Aura step before the migraine?
1: What, what is the worst at?
0: Aura is like light problems. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. Yes. So we're, we're very confident when that happens. There's a thing called cortical spreading depression where the neurons in your brain from the back start to switch off and spread forward to your brain. And that correlates very well with the aura. So the reason you're shunning away from things is as your brain's shutting down, the ability for it to lower sensory input is taken from you and therefore normal input is now high input. So that's exactly why your husband can see it because they can actually notice personality changes, there can be food craving changes, there can be all sorts of things, but it's because your brain is starting to shut down before it explodes into a migraine.
1: Yeah. And here's the also, I think, the other issue that I'm sure you Become frustrated with as somebody treating this condition is there's so many different triggers and causes to migraines. Everybody has a different kind of trigger.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's frustrating. It actually makes sense when you understand the neurology of it. But because everyone's neurology is a little bit different, where the dysfunction occurs in the brain will be related to the trigger. And they're not sure if, say, your trigger is flashing lights. They're not sure if the flashing lights is going into your eye and upsetting your migraine brain, which is vulnerable, or your brain is starting to go into a vulnerable crisis and therefore the flashing lights are now upsetting you. So they don't know if it's the horse or the car, but it doesn't really matter. But depending on what part of your brain is affected, depends on what the trigger will be. So if you step back a bit, we're taking in billions of information per second. Some of it's internal. Like your blood sugar, how hungry you are, what your heart's doing, your blood pressure, and some of it's external, light, noise, sounds. So, because any one of those things can be not functioning in that person, any one of those things can be a trigger. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's how, that's why it's so variable. So, yeah, it's a bit like, If I have shoulder pain and you have knee pain, well, throwing a ball hurts me, it doesn't hurt you, but kicking a football hurts you, but not me. It's the same thing. It's like, well, what part of the brain is affected? And there's your trigger. But you can imagine trying to put it all into a nice, neat bow, multi-parts of the brain going out, multi-expressions of the disorder. And that's why I like the word disorder rather than disease. Mm. It's disorder, things are going wrong.
1: Right, right. So... Can we talk about a little bit about what are the current, um, you know, what's the current clinical approaches to treating migraines right now?
0: Yep. so most people, it'll be pharmacological. So they'll go to a doctor, they'll go to a neurologist, and the vast majority will be drugs, and they'll be abortive drugs. So you're about to get a migraine, take this, turn it off, or they'll be preventative drugs. Of course, I see the people that don't respond to that. So from my perception, Drugs don't work at all, but obviously they are working for some people. But the only thing about drugs is, is medication overuse headaches. So you said that you had daily headaches plus migraines on top. Even if you take, um, you guys have ibuprofen, the anti inflammatory yeah, so we don't call it that here. Even if you take that about 15 times a month, so only every second day for your headaches, that in and of itself can cause daily persistent headaches. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: If you take the triptans, which is the most common um, one that you need a prescription for, it's only about nine or 10 times a month. So that's not very often right for a chronic person. And if you do that for a couple of months, that in and of itself can cause daily persistent headaches. So a lot of people that come to me are suffering from medication-induced headaches. You can be very careful with that the vast majority will be pharmaceutical. But there's been a massive breakthrough recently with neuromodulation devices. And these are devices, neuromodulation just means to uh, manipulate a nerve in a therapeutic positive manner for a patient. Um, And uh, if you look at the TENS machines, they've got a bad back and they run those machines on your back and the current goes through. Mm -hmm. That's neuromodulation. Um, And there are neuromodulation devices for migraineurs. And they work in different ways and i would always tell people go down a, a mechanical or electrical pathway not drug but i am a chiropractor and that's my bent natural and of course see a chiropractor or a good neck person because the neck posture and migraines are highly related which we can talk about later as well
1: yeah absolutely and i love your background as a chiropractor because that is the focus of the car. Chiro- I'm one of my best friends is a chiropractor. And um, that's the focus of, you know, your approach as a chiropractor is to find, to use the body to, to heal itself. Our body has an, the innate right. ability to heal itself. So there might be some misalignment issues. There might be some, um, you know, nerve pinching issues. So Correct. trying the natural approaches first, is something I wish I did <laughs> when yeah. I first, when I was first, you know, having these debilitating issues, and and I had the same, I went down the same path that you just talked about, and I think yep. I, I had the common patient experience of you know trying medication after medication, it worked for maybe a little bit, I was Correct. getting rebound headaches because of the medication, then the side effects be- because we're trying harder, you know, harder and harder drugs. The side effects from the medications were terrible. Um, I even had my neurologist tell me the last time I saw him, which was probably three years ago, that he would have never, di- never prescribed me one of the medication- medications he prescribed me because it's yes. been pulled off the market. It's There's tons of issues with with, with side effects and toxins and liver failure. And um, I'm like, oh, great. I'm so glad I was on it for a year and a half. I wonder what damage it gave to me. So. I wish 100%. I would have been steered towards that, trying the natural approaches first, because yep. for me, that's where I found my relief, was finally Absolutely. doing those, those natural approaches.
0: Look, we're definitely trained to go, if, if pain persists, see a doctor, that's what we're trained to do. And the reason migraines go straight to a doctor is because the pain is so severe, they most assume they have a brain tumor. Most come to me and they've got their CT scans and the MRI scans, and they're like, I don't have a brain tumor, but I thought I did. So I, I get why people do that route. Uh, my old man's a doctor. So we've had many medical discussions. My mom's a biology teacher. So I've always grown up in health. And the reason I was attracted to chiropractic and physical therapy is the patient walks in and walks out the same, but working better in their anatomical, physiological, normal range. And because I really believe it's a disorder, migraines, not a disease, I think, well, disorders are more amenable to natural therapies. Uh, I'm not, look, if I get hit by a bus, don't take me to a chiropractor, take me to the emergency, right? Because that's what I need. But if it's a processing disorder and chiros are famous for being able to work with nerves to normalize them, because all a muscle spasm is a nerve that's firing off too much. And if you do a gentle manipulation and that goes, you've just altered the way the nerve works back to normal. And I think the same approach Will work with uh, migraines, and it is the neuromodulation devices are working. And here's the thing that I like: that to me, ties up to a neat bow. The very same machine that turns off an acute attack of migraine is the very same machine that you use as a preventative measure. Why? Because it's uh, treating the same cause. But interestingly, with medicine, the acute medicine is in no way similar to the preventive medicine. I'm like, I don't know why if, if. you know if the dog 's barking and you stop it barking, then it will stop barking right now and stop barking tomorrow. It should be the same therapy and when we talk about the migraine stopper later on, that 's what we have found in our patients over the last five or six years that therapy with it that is to turn off migraines is the same therapy to prevent future attacks, which makes sense from a disorder that is an overprocessing problem
1: yeah yeah, and I love that um, I am very much interested in preventing something and I think everybody if you really ask yourselves that question I'd rather prevent something bad from you know from, from feeling pain and being miserable and and having a de- debilitating issue I'd rather prevent it than to just experience it and then mask it with with medications and experience, mask and, experience and then I go through the cycle mm. of I'm never actually getting to the root cause I'm never actually right. I'm just covering my symptoms and putting more and more and more medication on top of it and hoping it works. This is Absolutely. the way preventative medicine works is we're getting to the root cause and treating it and doing some prevention work to make permanent changes in our bodies to hopefully completely get rid of that condition, if not mitigate it um, uh, to where we, we can really live our lives um, in a, a very full way with that condition. So let's Absolutely. get to- Let's get to your invention because we are talking about a preventative um, issue for people who suffer from migraines. So tell us about the migraine stopper.
0: So the migraine stopper is um, a handheld ear pump. So you can see me on, on the Zoom. So it's, it's this. So it pumps air into the ear. So there are people walking around this planet right now that have got my migraine stopper. And as soon as they get a migraine, they sit down, they pull out their migraine stopper, pop in the ear and they actually start to pump air into the ear. And the clever part of the machine is it delivers, uh, it's operated by the patient, but it delivers a very precise positive and negative air pressure in the ear canal. And that's important. And uh, in the realms realms of uh, research, we know that there's two nerves that are highly involved in migraines. One's the vagus, which a lot of people have heard about. That's the one that when you meditate, that you activate, and it calms your body and the trigeminal nerve. And the devices that are out there right now are to stimulate the vagus nerve for migraine or the trigeminal. The really cool thing, and this is just a pure fluke, is that in the ear canal, both the trigeminal and the vagus nerve can be accessed at the same time with ear pressure. So when the ear pressure goes in, the ear canal slightly expands and contracts, expands and contracts. That stimulates those two nerves, and those two nerves can calm down a migraine and even stop it. So it's another what we call neuromodulation device, but it's a double neuromodulation device. And we talked about the three parts of the brain that uh, are a bit awry with migraines: energy production, the, the cortex, the sensory, and the brainstem. This works on the brainstem part of it. And that can turn it off. So a really good example, my um, secretary that works with my chiropractic, she gets two migraines per month for the last 20 years. And she turns them all off for the migraine stopper and now hasn't had a migraine for about three years. Now, that's not everyone's experience. It doesn't work for everyone, but that's the kind of thing you can get because for her, the brain stem and those two nerves were the biggest contributor to her migraines and that's why she responded so well.
1: Wow. So that, yeah, I mean, that's life-changing for sure. Yes. I mean. Yes. Uh, and, and why not try a um, non-invasive natural approach where you don't have any side effects? I'm assuming your product doesn't have any side effects. I mean, you're just pumping air into your ear.
0: Correct. The only side effect is, unfortunately, with migraineurs, their pain um, ability to process is heightened. So some people get a very uncomfortable ear, and that stops them from using it. But it doesn't cause any ear damage, and the thing is, you're using it yourself. So people aren't silly. As soon as there's discomfort, you stop. So yeah, we've had no side effects report to us on anything permanent, apart from I can't do the therapy because it upsets my ear because it's uncomfortable. So yeah, so for the and that's like less than one percent. So for the vast majority, they they just pump whenever they get the migraine. I'm waiting for the day when I'm walking past a bus stop and I'm I can see someone that I've never met using it. It hasn't happened yet.
1: That's so, neat. Yeah. So you, you kind of talked about how does it work? Um, who is it? Who is this specifically for? Who, who would you recommend the, the migraine stopper for?
0: Yeah. So for me, it's anyone that gets migraines. So medicine loves to categorize all the migraines into different parts. But um, you know, back to the basics, brain energy production problem, trouble with uh, modulation of uh, sensation and brainstem issue. And then from that, you get this myriad of different types of symptoms, which we've already alluded to today. So I, I'm, very, I'm a very simple guy. This is how it started. We, we hand-built some for the patients. A patient would come in and they say, I get migraines. I say, oh, you poor thing, take this home, stick it in your ear, and come back in six weeks and tell me what happened. That's what we did. So we never categorized. We never said with or without aura. We never said episodic versus chronic, vestibular based. We just said, you get migraines, you poor thing, stick it in your ear. And that was over the last five years I've been doing that. And we haven't found anything that particularly does better, but healthier, happy people respond better as a general rule to any modality. And the reason I'm very passionate about it is unfortunately acute migraines slip into chronic, which is what happened to you very quickly. And if you understand the neurology, it does actually make sense. So, I like to get people as soon as I can onto something so they don't slip into chronic migraines.
1: Right, exactly. So the preventative side of things as well.
0: Yeah, and the preventative is the same thing. We just um, the prevention came from my my naughty patients, by the way. I told them not to. I said, look, I want to see how it works for acute therapy. So when you get a migraine, do pump, put in your ear, pump it, and then report back what happens. But as soon as they were able to turn off uh, their migraines, uh, and not all patients, but a large percentage, they were pretty clued in, and they started daily ear pumping morning and night and then telling me, hey, I daily ear pump, and I've noticed that my intensity, duration, and frequency of future effects is decreasing. So that's how we came across with the, um, the preventative protocol. We thought it might work, but my patients actually expedited me, me um, testing it.
1: Yeah, because <laughs> I mean, why not? You're like, well, it works when I get one, so might as well, you know, try it and prevent them from happening, right? That's great.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: <laughs> so if, if someone is listening and they are suffering from migraines, um, or maybe they are close with somebody who suffers from migraines, where can they um, get more information about this and where can they get the miracle stopper?
0: Yeah. So just Google migraine stopper and I'll come up, but the official website is www.themigrainestopper.com. And they can purchase it directly from my website. It only weighs 185 grams. So it was designed to carry in women's purses or men's satchels. So it's designed to be portable so that when it sneaks up onto you, you can get it. Um, and I just applied the same theory when I was in practice for 20 years. If you came in, Steph, for example, and you were a new client, and I examined you and chatted you for 45 minutes and I knew I couldn't help you. I never charged a client and then I found them a referrer that I really trusted that I thought could help them. So if you get the Migraine Stopper and you do it up to nine days and doesn't work for you, you can just send it back and I'll give you a full refund.
1: Oh, that's outstanding. Wow.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm only interested in helping people like an interest uh, that I can um, help. I'm not interested in helping people I can't help, just like when I was in practice for 20 years.
1: I love it. That's great. So I think we covered a lot today. Um, Do you have any final thoughts, anything that you'd like to mention?
0: Just that your health is the most important thing that you could ever have and don't give it away to so-called experts. Do self-research. Definitely go to experts, but do research. We've got Google now, we've got forums now. Learn about whatever issue you've got. And always, and doctors will agree, go the natural route if you can. And then secondly, I'd say go to medication. And if you can, mix lifestyle and medication even better rather than no lifestyle and all medication. But I just tell my clients, you've, once you lose your health, um, it's, all, it's all over. It's, it's a horrible way to live. And you actually have a birthright to be healthy and strong. We're born that way. We used to compete against lions and tigers as K people and we kicked ass, we ended up ruling the world. We're supposed to be strong, happy and healthy.
1: Thank you so much, Dr. Adam Meredith, the inventor of the migraine stopper. So we will include those, all those links to your website in the show notes. I so much appreciate you coming on and discussing this very important topic. And hopefully those listening will uh, reach out to you guys and give your device a try.
0: Thanks, Steph. And look, um, I'd just like to congratulate you on looking after first responders and people in the armed air force, uh, into the, in the armed forces. Um, they need our help and they, they help and protect us. So, um, well done. And I was super pumped to read your bio and come on today.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you very much.
1: Thanks for joining us on another episode of the warrior wellness podcast. Go on over to Spotify or iTunes and hit subscribe and go ahead and leave us a review while you're there. Screenshot that review and email it to info at fireteamwhiskey.com and we will send you a little thank you gift in exchange for your honest feedback about our podcast.